Good morning. Good job. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. I really enjoyed that. Uh, In Christ Alone is my favorite song, and so I, I did make a special request, and, and thank you. That was a beautiful time of worship this morning. Well, this message today is a very special message for me because this is going to be the last sermon that I preach here at East Shore while still being a single man. <laughs> so I'm getting married in third... Oh, stop, 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 stop. So I'm getting married in 13 days and about to start the next chapter of my life with the woman I love. Next week, our uh, elders are going to continue our study through the book of Joshua, but that means today is the last chance that I have to address you all while still technically being single. And as someone who has been single for a long time, I know that there are few things more frustrating than a married person telling you what you should do with your life as a single person. No one likes being talked at, but it is especially frustrating and hurtful when it seems like it comes from someone who really doesn't understand where you are in life. I remember I was at a conference once where there was a guy who got married right out of high school, and he was trying to tell all the singles about how they should live as a single believer, and I tuned him out because I said to myself, you have no idea what I'm going through. So, before I lose all credibility with my single brothers and sisters in Christ, I would like to talk about some things from God's Word and that I have learned in my season of singleness. Now, I'm not claiming to know everything, and I'm not claiming that I have the right to speak to every single person's situation. My goal is to look at God's Word today and talk about how its truths work themselves out in my experience. I hope that the message today will be an encouragement for those of you who are single, whatever age you are, and whether you've never been married, you're widowed, or divorced. But if you are married this morning, well, don't tune me out, because this message is for you too. My prayer is that this message would help you to understand the people in the church who are not married, and learn what you can do to encourage them. If you're here and you're not a Christian this morning, this might seem like a very kind of strange thing to talk about, but I hope you will listen as well. Because I pray that you will come to know a man who also has never been married, and he is still waiting for his wedding day still to come. I pray that you will find salvation and grace in Jesus Christ. So we're going to begin our time this morning by looking at a passage from the Apostle Paul that unpacks the great benefit of singleness. So if you're not already there, please turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're looking at verses 32 through 35. If you'd like to use that red Bible that's in the seat back in front of you, you should find it on page 605. Again, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 32 through 35. Once you're there, if you're able, I'd ask you to please stand to honor the reading of God's Word, and then follow along as I read our passage for today. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, starting in verse 32. Apostle Paul says this to the Corinthian church. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, 
not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time of worship and looking at your word this morning. I pray even within this study, our focus would be on you. May you be glorified and you were through what was sung, but may you be glorified through what is said. To borrow words from John the Baptist, God, I pray that you would increase right now and that I would decrease. May what we say here today and talk about, may it lead singles to take advantage of the opportunity to be single-minded, and may it lead the church to encourage them. Help all of us to have a single-minded focus on your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let's take a moment to think about where we are in Scripture. We are in the book of 1 Corinthians. This is the first of two letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to believers to a church in the city of Corinth, that's in Greece. Paul planted a church in this city during his second missionary journey, so sometime around the year 50 or 51 AD. And then he wrote this letter about three or four years later. He was across the sea in the city of Ephesus. This letter is addressing some disorder in the Corinthian church. And Paul's also answering some questions that the church had for him. And one of the questions that they had was about marriage. Because living as a Christian in the city of Corinth was very hard. Now, some of us may think it's hard to be a Christian today, but what we have is much better and not nearly as bad as the Corinthian believers experienced. The hostility that they endured was much worse. Their faith was completely against the immoral culture of the day. They would have been mocked and persecuted for their beliefs. And given such a rough situation, the Corinthians wondered if it was even a good idea to get married at all. Well, Paul gives his answer to them back in chapter 7, verses 26 through 28. He says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Well, do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And Paul says, I would spare you that. Paul is arguing that single people, particularly those who are, have never been married, who do not have children, particularly them, they generally have fewer problems than married people. But he's also saying that all Christians should be primarily focused on Christ and on eternity. Our passage today is a continuation of his answer. So let's look at our text again. Paul says that the great benefit of singleness is that it is an opportunity to be single-minded, an opportunity to be single-minded. Listen to these words again. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. In this passage, Paul is telling the Corinthians he wants them to be free from anxieties and concerns. 
He doesn't want them to be overburdened by the cares of this life. He says an unmarried man can focus his attention and his care on the things of God. He can dedicate much more time, if not nearly all his time, to eternal affairs. On the other hand, a married man has to be anxious for, he has to be concerned about his wife and his family. He has to care for them. He has to spend his time on necessary worldly things to provide for his family. He might be the most dedicated Christian there is, but he has to give some time toward pleasing his wife. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's his responsibility to do that and take care of his loved ones. But, Paul says, an unmarried man has more freedom. He can turn his gaze from worldly and earthly things to what will last for all eternity. He has more freedom to know God and to serve Him. In other words, Paul says that a married man's interests are divided. The Protestant reformer John Calvin, who was single for a lot of his life, but he was married for a few years, he wrote that celibacy and singleness is to be desired, but not on its own account, nor on the ground of its being a state which is nearer perfection. It doesn't make you more perfect, but singleness is a good thing because we may cleave to God without distraction. And that is the one thing that a Christian man and woman ought exclusively to look to during his whole life, cleaving closer to God. Now, this same difference is not just for men. It's also between wives and unmarried women. An unmarried, betrothed, or virgin woman can be single-mindedly devoted to pursuing holiness in body and spirit. Paul talks about widows doing just this in 1 Timothy 5.5. He says, She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. Without the responsibilities of a husband and children, she can be completely devoted to God. However, a married woman has to be more concerned about worldly matters, especially, Paul says, pleasing her husband as he seeks to please her. In the last verse I read, verse 35, Paul reminds the Corinthians that he is saying this for their benefit and their good. He wants them to profit. He's not trying to lay a restraint on them or restrict what they can and can't do. He's not trying to leash or lasso them in. Instead, he wants to promote good order and constancy. He wants to do this so the Corinthians can live in the right and proper way. If they remain unmarried, they can be undivided in their devotion to Christ. They can be truly single-minded, and they can serve the Lord without distraction or with as few distractions as possible. Now, I know by the standards of our day, Paul is saying something really radical in this passage. He's saying that in many ways, it's better to be single than to be married. And Paul himself was single. In just a few verses before our text, in verse 7, he says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Paul enjoyed, he found contentment in being single, but he realized that not everyone was like him. And he's saying that one is not better than the other. But for Paul, being single did not make him less of a person. It actually put him in a better position to serve God. He would flesh this out in Philippians 3.8. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul thought that if you could go without marriage, that is one more worldly loss that can be put aside so you can find greater contentment and joy in Christ. That concept of contentment is the tricky one here because it's important in the Christian life, but it can be very difficult for single believers. Now, of course, some singles are content. Some are content for bad reasons. They've developed bad habits, laziness, sinful patterns in their life that they do not want to break. Some singles are content with their life for good reasons. They have genuine joy and peace with where they are. But I'm fully aware that some singles are not content. They have believed a lie that they have less worth and value because they are not in a relationship. Now, if you're currently married or dating someone, that might sound ridiculous. Why would you think you have less worth? But when someone is surrounded by friends, family, and even strangers in love, it can impact their self-worth. And I'm speaking about this from personal experience because I went through years that I viewed myself as an incomplete person. I thought I was less than because I was single. My problem was that I failed to understand Paul's words in our passage, and I also failed to understand the Apostle Peter's instructions we read at the offering. He said, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Now, when I heard that language about the gift of singleness, it used to really scare me that this was a permanent thing that God could thrust upon me and I'd be stuck with. But the more I've thought about it and looked at this passage and others, I don't think any spiritual gift has to be permanent. God may give us one gift for one season of life and then another gift for another. You may have the gift of singleness for a time, and then you may have the gift of marriage when God is ready for you to do something else. The key is not defining yourself by the gifts you have. The key is using the gifts God has given you. We use them to serve others by God's grace and to give Him praise and glory. So the truth is, never in my life was I a single Christian. The truth is that I was a Christian follower of Christ who happened to be single. And in two weeks, I will be a Christian, a follower of Christ who happens to be married. Now, this idea of being single-minded and focusing on Christ, it's not something that an unmarried person can do on their own. They need their brothers and sisters to come alongside them. So we need to consider how the church can help single believers, how the church can help singles. Now, sadly, this is an area that the evangelical church in our culture often seems to struggle with. And there's reasons for that. We've seen things like the breakdown of traditional families and climbing divorce rates, and we've responded to that by lifting up marriage. And we're not wrong to do that. We are right, because in Hebrews 13:4 it says marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Marriage is honorable. It should be praised. But the problem is we sometimes make marriage into something more than what it is. We make marriage what we should strive for rather than growing to become like Christ. And so we can treat singles as abnormal or deficient 
because they are not married. Now, I'm not saying that our church gets this all wrong, because I've seen and heard of plenty of situations that were worse. I was on a mission trip in a country once where you could not even be a pastor in the Baptist churches if you were not married. So on a personal note, I am incredibly grateful to this church for the confidence that you placed in me by calling me to serve you as an unmarried pastor. I know that that is not normal in our culture, and so I'm grateful for your trust. Thank you for letting me serve you for over five years as a single pastor. But still, there's room for all of us to improve in how we can help single believers. And we can start with the words we use when we're talking to our single brothers and sisters. Saying things to a single person like, I believe God has someone great picked out for you. Or, you know, I don't understand why you're not married yet. Those things are not really helpful. (laughs) Telling somebody who's widowed or divorced, hey, why don't you get married again? That's probably not what they need to hear. Now, you may believe, truly believe, that God has someone special picked out for your friend. And you may wonder why this person that seems great to you is still single. But you should be extremely, extremely careful in expressing those opinions to your friend. Even if you're trying to offer hope, you may actually be doing more harm than good. Because that person might be depressed that they are not married, and your words just might be rubbing salt in a wound. Or they might know themselves well enough to know that they're not in a good place spiritually or emotionally and that they're not in a spot that they should be thinking about marriage. What's important is not that we share our opinions. What's important is that we share God's truth. When we communicate, the goal is to encourage one another. In Ephesians 4.29, Paul says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but this is the talk only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, because the goal is that we give grace to those who hear. We need to build up every person we talk to, including singles. Now, I'm not saying we do not address sin issues in someone's life, but our words should encourage a single, no matter what else is going on in their life. A single life may look different from a married life, but that doesn't make it any less important affirm that what they are doing is pleasing to the Lord. And if a single person is serving in the church, praise them for it. Thank them for dedicating their time to God. But it's much more than what we can say that can help, because the church can help singles to be single-minded by what we do. And one of the greatest gifts you can give to an unmarried person is time. Spending time with others has been one of the greatest blessings of my life making an effort to connect with a single person, going out of your way to encourage them, that can mean the world to them. And I know I've told this story several times, so forgive me for bringing it up again, but one of the times I felt most loved in my entire life was when a couple from a church I was a part of in North Carolina, they invited me over for dinner on Valentine's Day, and I was moved to tears by their willingness to spend time with me on a day that was often lonely for me. They sacrificed one night out as a couple so that one single guy could have a memory that would last a lifetime. So friends, there are many single people in our church. And I'm not just talking about those who have never been married. There are those who are widowed and divorced. 
as well. And I would encourage you to make time for them. Include them in your life. Invite them to be a part of your family's special events and holidays. You may never know what a simple thing, like a dinner invitation, can mean to them. Well, now I'd like to have a few words with my single brothers and sisters about how to be single-minded, how to be single-minded. And I realize that I'm on the way out the door of our singles club. I, I know that. But before I go, while I'm still here, let me share what the Lord has taught me. First and foremost, to be single-minded, we must be focused on Christ. We have to be focused on Christ. We have to love Him first of all. That's why if you are not a Christian, you cannot be single-mindedly focused on the Lord. You need to turn from your sin. You need to turn toward Jesus in faith and trust. If you have questions about that, please talk to me after the service or talk to someone you know is a Christian about how you can have a relationship with Him. But you know, it's not just enough to be a Christian in name only. If you claim to be a Christian, do you have an active relationship with Christ? Do you spend time with Him every day? Well, then if not, get into His presence by reading His Word and praying. He loves you better than any other person ever will, and He alone can satisfy your deepest desires. If you do have an active relationship with Christ, well, are you living for Him? Are you serving Him now? Does he fill your time and attention, or have you allowed other things to distract you? I'm not saying it's wrong to do other things, but it can be very easy to fill all our time with things other than Jesus and marriage, whether that's a job or a hobby. It might be entertainment or sports. There's nothing wrong with saying, spending some time on those things, but if they fill up all our time, they can take away from time that can be given to God. Pastor Charles Spurgeon wisely said, the more objects you set your heart upon, the more thorns there are to tear your peace of mind into shreds. So don't let other temporary things get in the way of living for what is lasting and eternal. If you are single, you have a unique opportunity to be especially devoted to God for at least this season of your life. Right now, you can be extra focused on Him. Now, maybe someday you will get married, or maybe someday you will get married again. But for now, you have an amazing opportunity. Don't waste it. I know for myself, I feel I failed in this area much more than I care to admit. I spent more time daydreaming about the possibility of marriage and less time using my singleness than I feel that I should have. As time went on, I got better at it but I can never get back that wasted time. Learn from my mistakes. Be single-minded by focusing on Christ. Well, second, we can be single-minded by being focused on purity. Focused on purity. Paul tells us what God's will is for every Christian. Every single Christian, this is God's will from 1 Thessalonians 4. This is the will of God, your sanctification that you are growing to become like God. Paul explains what that looks like, that you abstain, stay away from sexual immorality, that each one of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. 
that no one may transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, as we have told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but he has called us in holiness. God's will for every believer is that believers would be sanctified, that they would be holy. In other words, they should be more like Jesus. And one of the ways we do that is by choosing to abstain or stay away from sexual immorality. A Christ follower should be learning to control his or her own body in holiness and honor. We are not to pursue sinful sexual desires like unsaved people do. And as Paul is saying here, God is very serious about this. We are not to be impure. We are to be holy. Now, these words are for every believer, whether you're single or married. At no time is it okay to pursue sexual sin. I know it is hard, but becoming more like Jesus is worth it. Now, one of my inspirations over the past few years has been a pastor named Steve DeWitt. And you might not have heard of him, but as I was wrestling through being single and being a single pastor, I came across his ministry. He's a pastor out in Indiana, and he was a single pastor from the time he graduated seminary in his early 20s until he got married when he was 42 years old. So he finally, after all those years, he served as a pastor in a church and then fell in love and got married. And like me, he preached a special message right before his wedding day. And over the years, I have read that message countless times for encouragement. In his message, in one part of it, he spoke about three principles for singles in their purity. And I put them on the screen for you. The first one he said is only date, that's height, it should be highly, I'm sorry, highly committed Christians. Only date highly committed Christians. Don't open yourself up to the distraction and the heartache of not being with anyone who is fully devoted to the Lord. It might seem awkward or silly, but asking about their relationship with Jesus, asking about church involvement, that should be a top priority. The second thing he said was to set wise boundaries, communicate them right away, and stick to them. It's far better to be overly safe than sorry. Now, let me pause for a moment here, because if you have done more physically in a relationship than you feel you should, or that you know that God desires, let me reassure you, you have not lost God's love. Jesus Christ died for sinners. He loves us in spite of our sins and failings. It's not too late to change and to start setting God-honoring boundaries. Now, there are consequences for sin that may last a lifetime, but God's grace and his forgiveness, that lasts for eternity. However, if you have remained pure, if you're single and you have remained pure, we'll continue to pursue it. It is worth pursuing, not because it guarantees you a better spouse or a better life. It's worth pursuing because it honors God. And it's also a blessing to a future spouse if one comes along. Living in purity doesn't make you a better person than other people, but what it does do is reflect how Christ is patiently waiting to be united with his people, the church. And it's a wonderful gift to give your spouse on your wedding night. The only reason why someone is a virgin at their wedding is because of God's grace in their life. God alone gets credit for that. 
And so I'm blessed to be able to give that gift to my wife and to receive the same gift from her. But it is only the Holy Spirit that makes that possible. We are not perfect people, but God has kept the physical expression of our relationship for one another. Despite what culture around us says, friends, it is possible to wait. And not only is it possible, it is beautiful. The third principle Pastor DeWitt talked about was to stoke the greater passion. Stoke the greater passion for the Lord. That's the same as the first point about how to be single-minded. It's to be focused on Christ. If we're focused on sex, if we feed our sexual desires, then we will not be pure. But if we're focused on Christ, then we will be. The third way for singles to be single-minded is by intentionally serving the Lord through his church. So we should be focused on the church, on the church. My single brother and sisters, the church is where you belong. I know that it's hard. I know that sometimes the emphasis at church seems to be on marriage, but the local church is where God intends for his children to be. When everyone around you seems to be getting married, it can be tempting to run. When all the Bible studies seem to be designed for talking to husbands or to wives, parents and couples, you might wonder what you are doing. And it's fair to ask questions. It's fair to challenge teachers and pastors to apply Scripture to your life. But you need to stay in fellowship with God's people, the church. Because the idea of a Christian not being connected to a local church, that's foreign to the New Testament. In Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, Paul says there is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I know that married people seem to be living a completely different life, but we all share the same faith. There is one God, one universal church for his people. Now, maybe you need to find a different local church to be a part of, but I would encourage you to find one. Stick with it. And for what it's worth, I was a single person longer than the national average and definitely longer than the average for pastors. And so it's important for me, it's important to me to say that single people, single believers, and non-believers, but single believers will always be welcomed in this church. I promise you that you will be loved and cared for as a brother and sister in Christ. Before we wrap up, let me give you one last piece of encouragement from God's Word. Paul was single, but did you know that Jesus was too? That's right. The greatest man who ever lived was never married. And so that means you do not need marriage to be great and to be greatly used by God. Jesus says something incredible about the unmarried in Matthew 19, 12. He says, there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. He said this while talking about marriage and divorce. And what he's saying is that there are some people who have been eunuchs from birth. There are some people who are unable to get married, whether it's because of a mental or a physical issue. And then he says there's some people who have been made eunuchs by men. 
There are some people who did not choose to be single. They do not want to be single, but they are. And finally, there are some who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. And those are the kind of people Paul was praising in our passage, 1 Corinthians 7. They have chosen to serve God in their singleness. They have chosen to be single-minded in their devotion to the Lord. All of them are, in a sense, eunuchs, because all the people Jesus described are not using their sexual organs. And so that means all of them are able to receive the promise that God gave to the prophet Isaiah. This is an amazing passage, Isaiah 56. It says, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. I have no family, no children. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, who hold fast to my covenant, well, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name that is better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Years ago, when I came across this passage, it was incredibly encouraging to me because it told me that God loved me, whether I was married or not. So look at those words, my single friends. Even if you are never married, even if you or you never get married again, you have a home with the Lord. And as you serve his church, as you make disciples, the people that you impact will be spiritual children worth more than any biological child could be. You may be by yourself on earth, God will never cut you off. If it's just you and God, will you have a unique opportunity to be single-minded in your service for him? So singles, I'm not telling you not to get married because that would be incredibly hypocritical of me because I'm obviously not following that advice. But the question that you should ask yourself before you consider marriage, or I'd say even consider dating someone, is will being with this person help me to glorify God? Will being with this person help me to better live for the Lord? If the answer to that question is no, then I'd encourage you, end that relationship immediately. It's much better to be single-minded in Christ than to be dragged down by someone not living for the Lord. Now, if you believe, or at least in the moment you think that person will help you live for the Lord, will pursue that relationship, but do not wrap your identity or your satisfaction into it, because that only belongs to Christ. Well, once again, I, I want to say thank you to this church. Thank you for loving and supporting me for these years as a single pastor. And yes, thank you for praying that I would find a spouse. <laughs> Because, yes, those prayers are about to be answered. (laughs) But you know what? When I step in this pulpit again, I'll be married, yes, but I will not be a different man. I will be the same person just in a new chapter of my life. God was pleased to have me serve you as a single pastor for over five years. And now we all get to see what he has for me next and what he has for our church next. He truly is a great God who is worthy of worship and praise. If you do not know him, then please talk to me. Find out how you can. And if you do know him, then commit to encouraging every single brother and sister in Christ in this church. If you are single, 
be single-minded in your commitment for Christ. If you are a Christian, let's use this time to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he alone is worthy.